All right. Well, today we're continuing with this series of messages on the fight. We started this with uh, with Easter, and today I want to talk about the fight for our families, the fight for our families, and whether you're single or a single parent, or you're married or you're an empty nester, you may be a senior and have great grandchildren. Wherever you're at in the spectrum today, I I believe this message is needed today. Um, There's an old proverb that says the family that plays together stays together. And then there's another proverb that kind of spins off of that, that, or maybe this one, that one spins off of this one, I'm not sure which came first, but also says that the family that prays together stays together. And neither one of those are direct quotes from the Bible, but they're definitely biblical principles. And I want to talk about those two uh, biblical principles today because I believe it's true, the family that plays together and prays together stays together. And I believe that they're biblical principles that we need to apply to our families, if our families, if we're going to fight for them and be able to keep our families together for the future. In Genesis chapter 1, we find, uh, as we come to the end of the chapter, we find God at the end of creation, at the end of creating the world, the Bible tells us that God created the heavens and the earth in six days. And at the end of that time of creating everything, something was missing. God created the animals, He created the earth, He created uh, the birds and the fish, all of those things. But something was missing because none of those things were able to have a relationship with God. Something was missing. Their their purpose, uh, all the animals and things that God put up on this earth, their purpose was simply to live and to die and you could say even to feed off of each other kind of in the food chain, but none of them were, were capable of having a relationship with God or really a deep, meaningful relationship with one another. And so the Bible explains to us that God created mankind. He created man and He created woman. And so, if you will, read with me Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. The Bible says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God created mankind. He created Adam and Eve in the very beginning. And so family, we see, was the first institution that God created with a specific plan and a specific purpose. God says, I want you to multiply on this earth. I want you to rule upon this earth. I want you to, you are in charge of everything that I have created and put upon this earth. And so family was the crown of God's creation. In fact, so great was uh, the, the family that God created that God said, now everything that I've created and put upon this earth is now complete. Read with me in verse number 31. The Bible says, God saw all that He had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And of course, we know the seventh day, God rested. I mean, this was the crown. This was, God said, man, everything I've made is good, but now that I have made man and created them in my image, 
And I've given them a job and a purpose. I've given them a family to put upon this earth. It is very good. I can now sit back and relax and take the day off. I have made the crown jewel upon this earth. And so God made the family as the first and the greatest institution upon the planet that he had made. And God places a great emphasis and a priority upon the family. Someone once said that as the family goes, so goes the nation. And I believe that's very true. In fact, we see the breakdown of the family leads to the breakdown of the nation. You look at the war on our families as God has designed them and we can see our nation crumbling in so many different ways because there is an attack upon the families in our nation today. It's also been stated very similarly that as the family goes, so goes the church. In fact, I believe that the church will be as strong as the families that make up the church. That's why we need to build families and we need to reach out to families and our community and let them know that Jesus Christ is the answer for your family. Can I get an amen? amen. Your family is a big deal. It is vitally important to God. And I want to encourage you to know today that God wants you to be successful in raising your family. Wherever you're at in, in the spectrum today, whether you're a young family or whether you've already raised your kids or they're just about, to, uh, you know, they're just about out of the home, wherever you're at today, God wants you to be successful in raising your family. I believe that all of heaven is cheering you on today. I believe that all the host of of angels today are standing by and, and they've even uh, the, today many of them have even been used uh, uh, angels unaware as we often say they're ready to be dispensed on your behalf to come and help you with your family because God wants you to build a great family and God has given us the tools that we need to build a great family we're going to talk about some of those today today in fact what I'm calling this message I'm calling this the three pillars to use to build a great family. And I had to borrow this little um, plant stand, I guess is what you'll call it. Is that right? Uh, Johnny and Casey Airy, thank you so much. Fresh milk, it says. I tried to get a, a three-legged stool to sit on, but uh, those things are pretty rare to have a stool to sit on that's three-legged. Most of them have four. So we went with the little plant stand. Thank you, Johnny and Casey, for... Uh, let me borrow this, uh, but it's perfect because now I can carry it around. Uh, I, I want to use this today as an illustration to show us today that there are three pillars that God has given to us to build our family upon. And we're going to talk about these pillars in detail today. The, let me give you the, the three pillars first, and then we're going to break them down in detail. Pillar number one is what I call play. Pillar number two is pray. And I tried to make the third one rhyme in there, but I just couldn't do it. But pillar number three is the Word of God, okay? Or you can just say Word. Play, pray, and Word, okay? Those are the three pillars that you need to successfully build your family on. Everything that you need to build a great family will flow out of those three pillars, and you need all of those three things in balance. Now, if this thing were a stool to sit upon, uh, you know, and you were to cut one leg off or to make one leg shorter, that thing is going to be dangerous to sit upon. Or even as a plant stand, 
if one of these legs were shorter, uh, you know, and it were to be sitting like this, you couldn't put a plant on it because the plant is going to fall off, right? You've got to have this thing in balance so that it can sit level so that the plant can sit on it correctly. Or again, if it's a, uh, like a bar stool, uh, in order to sit on it and to be safe, you've got to have all three legs even. Okay, And the same thing with our families, we've got to have all three of these things in balance. If one of them is out of balance, then our families are going to be out of balance. In fact, today too many families are building their families out of balance. For example, a lot of families build their family upon the pillar of play. A lot of them build their family upon the pillar of play. Their focus is all upon play. They either minimize or they totally ignore God and they don't believe they need God in the picture for their family. And so they think to themselves, you know what, really what we need to do is while our kids are young, we just need to focus on having fun. Now there's nothing wrong with that. We're going to talk about having fun with our family in just a moment and God wants you to do that. But they think that life revolves around them and entertainment and that life is all about having fun because our kids are only young once and so what happens is God takes a back seat in a lot of those families and their life revolves around activities and events and you know it's me time Sunday's the only day I have off I hear that so often you know and it's just that's our only family time that we have and so oftentimes that is their, their life revolves only around the play and so, unfortunately, God takes a back seat. And what happens, they build their life only on that one pillar. And what they're doing is they're building a family that is very unstable, that unfortunately that family life is going to tumble or topple over eventually. And although those families may be together, they may be happy, they may be successful, they may make a lot of money, the kids may go on to college and may make a lot of money as well, it comes at the risk of missing the most important thing in life, and that is eternity. They come with the risk of missing the most important thing in life, and that is eternity. You see, the highest priority of every family should be heaven. Can I get an amen? That should be the highest priority of every family, that every member of my family makes it to heaven. That is my highest priority as a father and as a husband. It is that all of my children make it to heaven. I want my kids to go to college. I want them to succeed. I want them to make it in everything that they do. I want to support them and cheer them on. But more than anything else, I want them to get to heaven. And parents, our highest calling, our greatest responsibility is to provide an atmosphere where they can learn and come to know God in such a way that they come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot force them to do that, I understand that, but you are responsible to provide the atmosphere in which that can take place. That is our chief, our highest calling above all other things. Can I get an amen? Alright, so let's talk about these pillars in detail. Let's talk about play since we've been talking about that some. Uh, you know, how families may build it out of balance. Let's talk about how the Word of God says that you can build play into your family. All right? In Genesis, or excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you'll turn over there now, because this is going to be the primary scripture that I'm going to use for 
the rest of my message today. Deuteronomy chapter 6, God is giving to the children of Israel, now uh, establishing their law and things uh, for them to establish themselves in the land, uh, getting ready for Israel, okay, uh, where they're going to be established for the rest of time. And so Genesis, or excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning of verse number 1, uh, the first three verses, he says to them, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that you may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. And then in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse number 3, the Bible also tells us that when children obey their parents, there's a promise that comes with it. And that promise is, is that it will go well with you and you will enjoy long life on this earth. The two things I want to point out from those two verses that I just read from Deuteronomy chapter 6 is that, it will, that you will live a long time so that you may enjoy a long life. And then Ephesians 6 says that it will go well with you and you will enjoy long life on earth. Now what does God mean by living a long life? Because some of you say, Pastor, I know people that, don't, that haven't lived a long life. I, I know some people that, that have served God and lived for God and they didn't live a long time. I've known some people that have been evil, bad people that have lived a long life. What does, the, what does those verses mean? Well, long life represents the full amount of time that God has allotted to you personally. Okay? In other words, God has granted some of us a long time numerically. Some people He has not granted a long time personally. All right? And so what it means is, is that whatever the amount of time that God has given to you personally, God is saying, listen, if you will obey me and follow the decrees and the plans that I've given to you, God says, whatever that time is, I will bless you. But listen, if you are going to disobey me, and here he's talking about children obeying their parents, uh, especially in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, it's not going to go well with you. In other words, if you are going to live a disobedient life, whatever that time that you have on this earth is, it is going to be a life that's going to be filled with pain. It is going to be a life that is going to be filled with regret. So that allotted time, whether, it, whether numerically it's a long time or a short time, it is going to be a life that's going to be miserable. Here's my point in this. I want us to know today, church, that God wants us to enjoy life. Can I get an Amen. God wants us to enjoy life. That ought to make every person here smile today. God wants you to enjoy life. Jesus says to us, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Life to the fullest. Now, that first of all represents salvation first and foremost. He wants us to be saved in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. But it also tells us that God wants us to enjoy life. God wants us to enjoy the time that we've had here. Enjoy it to the max. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. He says, I want you to be filled with my joy. I want you to be filled, overflowing with my joy. I want you to have my joy. In other words, I want you to enjoy life to the max. I want you to be happy. 
I want you to, en to enjoy life. I want you to laugh. I want you to smile. I want you to enjoy the things that you do. I want you to enjoy the life that I have planned for you, the things that I have created for you to do on this earth. I want those things to bring you pleasure. And I believe as Christians, people who follow Jesus Christ, we ought to be the happiest people on earth. Amen? We, we ought to be people who have a smile on our face because we're living uh, for the purpose and the call of God upon our life. We have the joy of Jesus Christ, the fullness of His joy and His life flowing in and through us. I mean, God wants us to enjoy life and life more abundantly. God wants you to enjoy life. And so every family needs a healthy dose of God's joy and God's life. They need a healthy dose of play together. All right? They need a healthy dose, in other words, of enjoying and having fun together as a family. You see, God created us, what the Bible calls, He created us for fellowship. He created us as creatures that are in need of other people. He created man to be in need of a woman. That's why He put man and woman together in marriage. He created them to, be to, uh, to, to want to be together in a marriage relationship and a need for one another. The husband needs a relationship with his wife. And the wife needs a relationship with her husband. And parents need a relationship with their children. And children need a relationship with their parents. Every family needs fellowship together. They need what I call play together. They need this quality time. In fact, I believe the key for family playtime together is quality time. And I want to encourage every family here today to not just try to spend time together, but I believe the key to having a strong pillar for your family is to have quality time together. In fact, that may be where a lot of families are missing it, as they may spend time together but they don't spend quality time together. And I want to encourage you and your family to learn to spend quality time together. Spend some quality time. Not just, you know, I, I mean, I could read statistics today till I'm blue in the face. Uh, you know, I mean, psychologists have, I mean, you could go on the internet and find tons and tons of statistics uh, to, to back this up, uh, to stress this. But it, it helps us uh, it, when you spend quality time together, it helps you and your family uh, physically and mentally develop and grow together. It helps the children to grow together. It helps with the, having the mom and the dad present together. And again, we know the attack on the family, the attacks with divorces and everything else. And so we've got to have that quality time together. Your family needs you. They need more than just activities and they need more than just money and vacations and stuff, but they need you just to spend time with them. And I want to encourage you today, maybe you're a grandparent, and you're like, what role do I have, Pastor? I mean, my kids are, they're grown and they're out of the house. I want to encourage you, grandparents, spend some quality time with your grandkids. Find, a, find that role in spending time with them, spending some quality time. Help those parents spending some time with them because they need to have that quality time time together. Amen? 
God puts an emphasis on time together as a family. And the family that plays together will stay together. Amen? The second pillar that we need to build a strong family, we've got play. The second one is that we need to pray. We need to pray. Another scripture that I want to use is found in Luke chapter 11. You don't have to turn there because I told you I was only going to give you two primary ones. But in Luke chapter 11, the Bible tells us that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And then Jesus goes on from there and he taught them what's called, what we call the Lord's Prayer which was kind of a, an example. It's a, a how-to prayer. And uh, it goes on with this Lord's Prayer. But here's what catches my attention about these verses that I just read to you. Is that Jesus and John led by example. Their prayer life was so contagious that other people said, hey, will you teach me how to pray? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome for other people to see you and and to hear you pray and say, hey, I like the way you pray so much. Would you teach me how to do it? I mean, that's what these people were saying. I like the way you pray, Jesus. And, and I like the way this guy John the Baptist prays. And he's taught his disciples how to pray. And we're your disciples. So would you teach us how to pray? I mean, it was a contagious prayer life. There was something powerful that caused others to want to add that spiritual practice to their lives. They wanted to learn how to pray. I mean, they saw Jesus and they saw John the Baptist connecting with their Heavenly Father so well. I mean, it was so good that they wanted it in their life because they wanted to connect with their Heavenly Father in that same way. And so they taught their followers how to pray. Now, here's where I want to go with this. Parents, teaching your children to pray is one of your primary responsibilities as a parent and you need to teach your children how to pray and it's a pillar that you cannot miss in your family amen you cannot miss it you've got to teach your children how to pray in fact I want to give you a definition of parenting and I came across this several years ago um, uh, Tiffany helped me here we when we taught this class several years ago Ed Young Jr. from Fellowship Church in uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, is where I had picked up this definition uh, of parenting, okay? Here's the definition, and if you're taking notes there, this is in your bulletin. Definition of parenting is, is this, and I've got the scriptures for it. Parenting is, is defined as this, uh, a biblical definition is the process of teaching and training your children to leave. Parenting is the process of teaching and training your children to lead. In other words, you are preparing your children for life. The teaching comes from the Deuteronomy chapter 6 that I uh, read just a little bit earlier because you are teaching them in the ways of the Lord. The training comes from Proverbs 22, 6, and that tells us to train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And notice the Bible says the word go and not stay. You were to train a child in the way they should go. Can I get an amen? You're not to train them so they can stay home. You're to train them so they should go. 
In other words, you're training them. You've got those few years, whether it be 18 or 22 years, whatever it may be. You are training them so they can leave the house. You are to teach them and you are to train them. That is your biblical responsibility for life. Okay? So you are to train them so that they can eventually leave. Now, whatever time period that is, you are to teach and to train them so that they can move on in life and become a responsible adult on their own. Now, if you're here and you say, well, my kid is over 22, whatever that number is, okay, just know this, whatever that number is, all right, you are to teach and to train them. I know some parents are like, well, you know, it's only a certain number, okay, eventually they're going to leave, right? That's a hope and prayer, okay? <laughs> all right, we're to teach and to train them, prepare them so that they can live life on their own. And that is a hefty calling. I mean, we've got the spiritual part, we've got education, we've got to teach them morals and wisdom and things about relationships. I mean, we're the ones that need the prayer, right? <laughs> and here we are, we need to teach them prayer. Listen, when you teach them to pray, here's why it's such a big deal. You are teaching them to trust God. And you've got to teach them to trust God. You see, prayer is trusting God. It's teaching them to have an active relationship with Jesus Christ. And you need to teach your kids to have that active relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you will not have an active, life-giving relationship with Christ unless you learn to pray. And you've got to lead them by example. You've got to show them not only how to pray, but why to pray. And let them know that when you pray, that God can move in your life. Teach them how to pray. Let me ask you this today, moms and dads. No matter what age you may be today, when is the last time that your kids saw or heard you pray? And I don't want to cast any guilt on you and say, man, I don't know when it is, or I don't do very good at it. But I, I do want to challenge you with that question. Do they know that you have an active prayer life? Do you ever pray over them or pray with them? Let me encourage you with those questions today and challenge you with it today to develop a life of prayer and teach your children to pray. In other words, teach them to trust God because it is a pillar just as much as play is important. And spending that quality time, and, and I mean, again, you could read the statistics and all, everybody in the world say, yeah, you've got to spend time together with your children. You've got to spend time together as a family. That is so important. But listen, learn, teaching them to learn to trust Jesus Christ is just as important, even more important. Amen? You've got to learn to te teach them to learn to trust in Jesus Christ. And a way you can do that is teach them to pray and to trust Him. And if you've not developed that in your life, I understand that starting point can be hard. I understand if you've never done that and you say, man, my, my kids are kind of older and, and where do I start? That's kind of a hard thing to do. Let me challenge you to do this today. Start right where you're at. Start today. You're here today and you're hearing this message. Maybe your kids are even out of the house. You're like, man, I missed the boat, Pastor. I never prayed with my kids. You know, I, I did my best raising them, and, and, and we grew up in church, and they attend church. Let me encourage you today. Give your kids a phone call 
and just say, you know what, son, daughter, I want you to know I'm praying for you today. Let them know you're praying for them. Maybe even take just a moment to pray with them on the phone. Take some time to pray with them. Let your kids know, hey, we're going to start something new in our house today. We're going to pray today. I mean, my kids know every morning, at, at a minimum, every morning we're going to pray on the way to school. And we're going to pray at night before we go to bed. Sometimes, you know, at night before we go to bed, sometimes we're in a hurry to get to bed. It's going to be a quick, short prayer. And sometimes, some of the nights it's different. But listen, we've got to teach them to pray. We've got to teach them to trust in Jesus Christ. Start right where you're at. Start with something. Let them know that Jesus Christ is the most important thing in your life. And if you will teach them that it's the most important thing in your life, just like those disciples were learning, watching John the Baptist and Jesus, eventually they're going to say, hey, Mom and Dad, will you teach me to pray? Will you help me to follow Jesus too? They're going to begin to pick up on it. It's going to begin to be contagious. And they're going to want that same relationship with Jesus Christ that you have because they're going to see that it's real. They're going to see that it's more than just a Sunday morning thing. But they're going to see that it's the real deal. They're going to desire it and they're going to want it in their life as well. Amen? Now let's talk about the third pillar this morning. We've got play and we've got pray. But there's another pillar that we've got to have to hold this little plant stand up today. And that is, we've got to have the Word of God. We've got to have the Word of God. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I quit reading a while ago with verse number 3. I want to pick up now with verse number 4. And read through verse number 9. The Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Listen to what it says. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. And when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Teach them to your children. Talk about the Word of God. Get the Word of God into your home is what God is saying. Parents, listen. It is your responsibility as parents to teach your children the Word of God. And I believe one of the greatest tragedies in our American culture is that education has been handed over to others in our American culture. Now, I'm a big proponent of public school systems because, one, my wife is a public school teacher, and uh, so she earned her paycheck that way. And uh, I'm also a big proponent of public education because I believe that we need Christian teachers in a dark place. We need Christian students in public school. So I'm a big proponent of public education, all right? But here's what I mean with this. There, in the 1800s and the 1900s, we saw a, a major shift that started to take place in the American home. And education, where it was once the primary responsibility of the parents, it began to be shifted from the home to the schoolhouse. 
Okay? And that was great because we needed schools and, and those public education centers are tremendous. But here's unfortunately the shift that began to be dangerous and I believe that, that was a, has been a tragedy is that parents handed all of it off to the school systems and said, here, I'm no longer responsible. You do all of the education. I'll leave it all up to you. And over the, the generations, what has happened is parents think that they're no longer responsible for any of the education at all of their children. And I understand parents, they come home and you look at those math problems and today with all the common core and all those other things, you go, I have no clue how to do that. I'm not talking about you trying to sit down and figure out all of their homework for them. What I'm saying is, is that you have parents today, so many of them have completely removed themselves from all aspects of education, even to the point that when it comes to the spiritual life of their children, many parents believe that, hey, it is not my responsibility to educate my children about, about uh, the Bible. It's all not only up to the schoolhouse to educate them about uh, arithmetic and you know, um, all those other things, um, uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic, but it's also up to the church to teach them about God. In fact, and you can do a little study of this on your own, but one of the reasons that Sunday school was ever invented and started, actually it was started in the 1700s, but it began to gain great popularity in the 1800s and 1900s in America. One of the primary reasons it gained such popularity here in the American culture is because many parents removed themselves from the education of their children spiritually, that they said, you know what, I'm going to send them to church and let the church teach them about God while I sit at home. Did you know that? Sunday school was started as an outreach to children because parents were failing to take their kids to church. And so they have left the church to be, hey, you teach my kids about God while I sit at home and I do nothing. It's been a great tragedy in our American culture. Listen, parents, it is not the job of the church to be your children's primary spiritual educator. It's the job of the church to assist, and it's the job of the church to help, but it's not our job to be the primary educator of your children spiritually. Yes, we're to be a tag team and to come along and help, but it is your job as the parents to get involved and to teach your children the Word of God. I had a dear pastor friend, a children's pastor friend, shocked. Some of his uh, uh, parents came to him here not long ago and they said, listen, my kid uh, in, in the children's ministry, they're, uh, they, they're, they're ready to get saved. And I want you to, will you please pray with, I'm just going to call him little Billy, came to them and said, little Billy wants to give his heart to Jesus. Will you pray with Billy to give his heart to Jesus? He wants to get saved. And the children's pastor looked at him and said, no, I will not pray with Billy to get saved. Dad looked at him and says, what do you mean you won't pray with him to get saved? And he says, no, I want you as the father to pray with Billy to get saved because you are the primary spiritual leader in your son's life and you need to lead your own son to come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And the dad was shocked and he said, listen, Dad, I, I, I could easily do it as his children's pastor but what a great privilege and opportunity as the father to be able to say, I led my own son to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. He says, you're it, Dad. You, you've already known about this for several days. You need to lead him to Jesus. And so, Mom and Dads, I want to encourage you today to be the primary leader of your children, not only in play 
and not only in pray, but to lead them in the Word of God. Because the Word of God is a pillar that will take them farther in life than anything else. Jesus says the Word of God is a solid foundation that will help them to endure the storms of life. Psalms 119 verse 105 says that your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's Word can illuminate to your children the situations that are going on around them. And it will be a light to guide and direct them for the future of their life. Get the Word of God into your home. Verse 9 goes on to say, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to the Word of God. Get the Word of God into your home. Verse 11 goes on to say, That your Word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. And we could go on and on again and, and emphasize how much the Word of God can teach us and change our lives. And listen, you want your kids to be on the right path, mom and dad? Get the Word of God into their life. Amen? Get the Word of God because the Word of God transcends time and culture. Its principles are timeless and tried and proven to be true time and time again. And I want to encourage you today. In fact, I not only encourage you, but I want to give you a challenge today and I promise you, mom and dads, it will work. Put the Word of God into your family and it will begin to change your family. Put the Word of God in there. Not only lead your kids with prayer, but put the Word of God into your family. And just like with prayer, you're like, where, where do I start? You know, I don't know how to pray the right prayer. Start with something so simple. Start with a simple Bible story. Start, get, you know, if you need help getting your kids a Bible, I'll help you get your kids a Bible. Alright, come and let me know. Today there are free apps that you can download the Bible on your phone and devotionals and all kinds of things. If you've got a smartphone or tablet, whatever it may be, I can direct you with some of those things. Get your kids devotionals and things, but get the Word of God into your family and into your home because it will change the atmosphere of your home. Get it into the, in, into the hearts of your kids. It will change not only your life, but it will change their life as well. It is a pillar of upon which you must build your family. Amen? And I promise you, God's Word will not only never fail you, but it will be the greatest investment into your family that you will ever make. So today, there are three pillars on which to build your family. Play, you've got to spend some quality time together. Pray, spend some time building your relationship with Jesus Christ. Teach your kids to know Jesus. And finally, the Word of God. Get the Word of God into their hearts and into their lives. It will change the atmosphere of your home. It will change their hearts and it will change your family.